The forest's dead silence unnerved Micah. Under the canopy of pine, there was no sound save for the footfalls of 7th and 15th platoon's boots. They had been patrolling in a diamond formation for hours, scanning through the woods with no signs of the pagans they were hunting. The boy took solace in his brothers around him, brave warriors of God that had already been blessed in many victories in the Lord's name. The squad leader in charge, Ezekiel, kept pace next to him, chiming his radio as he had for the last few hours at five-minute intervals. Scouts, report. There was an uneasy pause, a look of worry on the large man's face until he saw Micah scanning his features. He quickly replaced it with a confident smirk when the radio chimed back to him. Scouts reporting, all conditions normal, no contact. Ezekiel responded smoothly with bravado in his voice. Good work, keep it up. We're 100 yards behind you. The brush is too thick for a visual, though. Ezekiel was everything Micah ever wanted to be. He modeled his behavior after the large man. He had been a ranger in the old U.S. military, regularly recounting his adventures and stories to his younger comrades around the campfires. Tall, strong, and bearded, he was the star of 7th Platoon, and his presence gave Micah confidence. He did everything to impress his squad leader. He was the perfect role model of faith and masculinity. He didn't cry, he didn't get scared, he just did his job to its fullest. The church had already rewarded him with four wives to ensure his lineage and pure genes were passed on to make more excellent fighters. Let's keep going, Micah. I bet these cowards ran off as soon as they found out we were here. The Herculean man bellowed with laughter. That's the way of these pagans. They turn from God to false deities because they fear judgment. Clutching his M4A3 carbine, Micah felt strong and manly, mimicking the posture and low-ready position of Ezekiel. He'd gotten his first kills earlier that day, but now he wanted to slay an even greater enemy. That would impress his squad leader for sure. Have you fought the pagans before, sir? The boy asks inquisitively. "Mm Mm-hmm, his squad leader mumbles, packing some dip into his gums, then offering it to the boy. Micah struggled over the pungent taste, but couldn't deny a gift from his hero. They're like actors. They pretend to be witches and warlocks, but they die like any other he- Ezekiel stumbles on something. Catching his balance, Micah closed the interval to a squad leader and almost squealed when he saw what had tripped the big man. Under some of the brush was a body, light armor and a hunting rifle, with a large crucifix dangling from a molly loop on his play carrier. It was one of the scouts. They couldn't tell who because his ID tags had been stripped and his head was missing, his neck a messy, cleaved stump. Crouching low behind a tree, Ezekiel frantically calls for the scouts. Scouts, report! Status! Status now! But Micah couldn't hear him. In shock, the 17-year-old could do nothing more but ask the same question as radio calls came from other fire teams in an overwhelming flood. Where's his head? Team 3, we found a body. One of ours! Where's his head? Team 8, us two. He's stuck in a tree! Ezekiel still had no response from the scouts. Micah screamed, Where is his head? Ezekiel struck Micah across the face. Then the final radio call came in. Contact, man, I I think, 25 yards front. What is that thing? Turning, Micah saw the contact. It horrified him. Just 25 yards from him, a broad woman was standing tall. An elk skull adorned her head, and fur draped over her shoulders. Her silhouette that of a great beast, and her body armor dripping with blood. But what terrified Micah the most was the heads of the scout team in her hands and strewn onto her plate carrier, all their faces frozen in pain and horror. Ezekiel panicked. Shoot it! Shoot it now! But Micah couldn't move. He felt like his body was made of stone. And before Ezekiel could call on the radio again, a horn blasted. 
some ancient and bowel-wrenching thing that filled all their ears and rendered their comms inaudible. When it ended, it was replaced by the high-pitched whistle that became more and more intense by the moment. Then the mortars fell. Micah had seen mortars before, seen them used, but had never been on the receiving end of them. All around him, men were blown off their feet or eviscerated by shrapnel and high explosive. His brothers torn apart by an enemy they could not see. He held himself in the fetal position at Ezekiel's feet as the bombs fell. While he sobbed, his squad leader kicked him and screamed, Where is your faith, boy? Beating him in frustration. His face a mess of tears and mucus, Micah began to pray, crouching against the tree with his rifle aimed in the direction he last saw the woman. But she was gone, and the eerie silence of the forest was back. The only betrayal of a human presence was the agonized screams and moans of the crusaders and the ringing in Micah's ears. He wanted to go home. He wanted to be back in the Holy Lands. Not here. Not in this nightmare. Ezekiel screamed into his radio, Does anyone have visual? A variety of negatives and screams are the only responses. He grabbed Micah by the collar. We have to move now, before the next barrage let. His words were cut short by a choir of war cries that seemed to come from the trees themselves. Strange forms came thundering from the brush towards the gutted line of crusaders. Carrying ballistic shields, machine pistols, swords, and axes, each one of the vanguard troops equipped in hydraulic-powered armor, most adorned in a chaotic mix of welded spikes, human skulls, and beastly horns, all spray-painted a deep crimson. Micah emptied his bowels at the sight. Thundering towards him and his fellow crusaders were the rumored demons of the north, the boogeymen of dozens of stories shared in children's bedrooms and soldiers' barracks alike, the Leviathan Brigade. Micah didn't know much about them. Morale officers and pastors wrote them off as a leftist propaganda tool and even punished civilians and crusaders who spoke of them. The official message from Dominion territorial governments and intelligence offices was that they were a myth, a fake unit with a forged combat record, the old U.S. military and defiant commune spoke into existence to instill fear and doubt in holy warriors. No one whispered about them in the same way. Every tale of the Phantom Brigade encountering fundamentalist forces ended with whole units being wiped out. Some said they were former U.S. military special operations troops. Others that they were Satan's horde, summoned by pagans and heretics. Regardless, they were rapidly closing the distance between the remains of 7th and 15th platoon's position at a dead sprint. Bracing his carbine to his shoulder, Micah took aim at the closest pagan. Hovering the reticule of his advanced combat optical gun sight over the chest of a hulking berserker wielding a greatsword in both hands. He trembled, and he couldn't tell if it was his own heart pumping or the ground shaking from the tide of death surging towards him. He jerked the trigger. Forgetting the slow pull his training had taught him, and with a crack, a round zipped to the left of his point of aim. The 5.56 by 45mm 65 grain green tip deflecting off the warrior's pauldron with an ineffective ping and careening off into the sky. Micah's heart sank, and he could swear the demon was laughing at him as it charged and raised its sword. Only 15 yards from his position. Panic firing was all along the Crusader line, terrified men screaming and emptying magazines futilely. When the vanguard of the pagans' charge leapt into the defensive line, Crusaders were already starting to flee in whole squads. But it did nothing to prevent the slaughter. The first few red death machines ignored Micah, leaping and sprinting right past him in favor of reaping destruction behind the main line. Without thinking, he turned his back to the enemy and gazed into a scene he could only describe as hell. 
Nightmarish terrors waded through his friends with a barbaric frenzy, bellowing strange battle chants while they plunged into the Crusaders, ripping and tearing with gore spurting out onto their crimson armor. The Dominion forces had never been trained or capable in close combat. They modeled themselves after the old U.S. military under the advisory of traitor veterans, relying on numbers, heavy weapons, and concentrated fire to annihilate their foes. Here, they had none of that. They had only sorted out with two platoons, thinking they'd be hunting a pagan militia. The forest prevented them from bringing crew-served or vehicle-deployed machine guns and grenade launchers, and the mortars had caused them to spread out into isolated fighting positions that kept them safer from mortar fire, but unable to coordinate a defense against the charge. Fire teams were surrounded and butchered in moments. A gurgle brought Micah out of his trance, <laughs> blood pooling around his knees. Frantically, he spun and tripped onto his back, scampering backwards and screaming at the sight of Ezekiel, his neck gored through by a broad-headed spear in the hands of the elk woman. Hefting the spear, Ezekiel slid down the weapon shaft as he clutched at his throat. The spectral fighter slung him back down, landing with a lifeless thud next to Micah. His hero writhed, only able to manage wet coughs that spewed ichor from his wounds, and silent cries only he could hear. The beast woman crouched with boots on either side of Micah's chest and seized his hair in an iron grip, jerking his attention upwards into her terrifying face. Under the elk skull, stained with the blood of martyrs, was a woman that may have been considered beautiful in a world without conflict. Her features were marred by burns and old scars. A left eye sewn shut and a years-old knife wound surrounded its orbit. The other shone like a burning emerald, and it seared into his soul. Do you know why you're not dead yet, child? The voice left her lips and echoed within his skull. His vision tunneled and senses dulled. All he could see and hear in the moment was the specter above him. Struggling, it took all his will to answer, No! Dropping his head onto the forest floor, she rose above him to her full height. Even without the same power armor as the assault troops, she towered above him like a monument, the heads of the scout squad swaying with her movement. Because our gods walk among us on the battlefield, judging us not by our hollow words, but by our deeds in war. She pressed the vile spear tip against his throat. Please, God! He screamed while hyperventilating. Please! P please, I'm sorry, God, no, please! Quiet, whelp! The command halting, Micah's begging. There is no honor in slaying a boy, and even less in sending one to fight for you. Slowly gliding the spear from his throat down to his collarbone, she fished out the cross from under his shirt, dangling it in front of him. Your god doesn't hear you. Your people have strayed from his teachings for centuries. Leaning down, she snatched the icon from around his neck, tearing the chain his mother had given him. She brought it to her single eye, pondering it for a moment, and tossed it back to his chest. This will do you no good, just as it failed your brothers. She freed a dump pouch from her belt, pouring the contents onto Micah's chest. Crucifixes. Dozens of them. Go home, boy. Take these back to their families. Tell them what you saw here. She leaned in, inches from his face, her ghastly visage forever searing itself into his dreams. Tell them Lilith is coming to slay their sons. Please, 